How is everybody? Come on, that's my best Corey Trimble right there, man. <laughs> hey, my name is uh, Greg Swords. I'm one of the small group leaders here at The Experience. First of all, I want to tell you uh, what a great joy it is for me to be able to share with you this morning. My wife Tammy and I have been at The Experience for just a little over a year and have really grown to love this church and its staff. So I wanted to just take a moment to tell you how much we love being here. If this is your first time, you have found a great place uh, to get plugged in and grow in your faith. We love this, uh, we love this place. We love the staff, uh, Corey Trimble, uh, Corey Drake, Kyle. Uh, I don't want to mention everybody because I'm sure I'll forget some, but all the way through the administration, uh, volunteers, just a really, really great place to be. Uh, and, uh, and we love them. And would you agree with me? Uh, we have It's a great place. So the season of Advent is something really, really special. Um, I love this time of year. I, I understand that sometimes we get caught up in the commercialism, but when we stop and take time to really think about the real meaning of Christmas, we understand it's not all about that stuff. But boy, as Americans, we can really anticipate Christmas Day, can't we? I mean, we start preparing for it really early. Um, Maybe you've decorated your Christmas tree already. Hopefully you have. You put lights on it, ornaments on it. Uh, some of you even put lights outside on trees and bushes in the house. And, and, uh, but this is an exciting time, and we've been preparing for it for a long time. Some of us, in fact, have parties, and we you know, purchase eggnog and then forget to bring it out <laughs> so that we can uh, just consume it ourselves. <clears throat> Some of you are so excited for Christmas, you can hardly wait. I know that there are, there are those uh, children, uh, maybe, who uh, have been so excited, just wondering what they're going to get for Christmas, and, and maybe you're one of those guys who, like, you're, you're the same way. In fact, you've been sneaking around looking for your Christmas presents that your wife has hidden, and you can't find them, but you're just so excited, you just can't wait to, you know who you are. Um, and then... Uh, Still, some of you are, are probably freaking out right now, wondering, what am I even doing here? I'm not finished with my shopping. Well, I, th I think that there's some uh, stores still open 24 hours, so there is hope for you. That's really what I want to talk about for just a few minutes this morning is hope. Because you see, I think the problem is there is not a lot of hope in the world today. And the church is supposed to be a place of hope. I mean, look, look, look around us, there, there are mass shootings almost daily. Nations raging against nations. People try to connect on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever the, the social media is, and, and yet we're less connected today than we have been maybe ever. Last year, the suicide rate hit a 30-year high. I mean, what is going on? I mean, what's happening? Where's our hope? How are we doing? More specifically, how are you doing? There's a pastor uh, at a church outside of Chicago named Willow Creek. He pastors Willow Creek. His name is Bill Hybels. He said years ago, the church, the local church, is the hope of the world. And I believe that. What he means is that's you and me. We're the hope of the world because we're the ones who take Jesus into our worlds every day. But the truth is, I think even sometimes the church has lost its hope. And I got to tell you guys, there was a baby born a couple thousand years ago that was supposed to bring us hope. 
But somewhere along this journey that you and I call life, we have lost sight of it. We forget the significance of that event and all it carries. Isaiah was reminding the people of Israel and you and me today when he wrote these words, and you can follow along in your bulletin if you want. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time, as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For the trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Why? For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion, his dominion, will be vast and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah is telling them that change is coming, that hope is coming into the world. But too often we forget the baby in the manger changed everything. It's crazy, but sometimes I think we forget that the baby is Jesus. Maybe, maybe we don't forget, but it's just that he gets kind of lost in all the stuff, you know, the things going on in our lives because we're so busy. Is your heart filled with hope? Do you have this confident expectation of tomorrow? What do you do when the road is filled with struggle or loss? I mean, what do you do when you feel like your heart is empty? Guys, I know Christmas time is this time of joy and excitement. It's, ex it's exciting. I'm excited about it. But I also know that Christmas for some is a time of great sadness and depression. I mean, some of you have had bad days this year. Some of you have strung together bad months. Some of you maybe even a bad year. We've all been there. But I don't, we don't have to lose hope. We sing about it every week here. We hear about it from God's word and in the message. And you and I, we have hope because God's word and his promises are true. Hope doesn't have to be fleeting. It's a clear expectation of certain things to happen. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God and trust in hope go so closely together. This hope we have by placing our faith and our trust in Jesus is this firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's the handle on what we can't see. Because the baby was born, hope is here. We have this everlasting hope anchored in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, a hope that never fades. So my prayer for you is for the God of hope to fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in him so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ came, he is here, he is among us. So love is here, peace is here, joy is here, hope is here. Real love, real peace, real joy, real hope, all found in the person of Jesus Christ. So I know in a crowd this size, 
there are many of you who are on a spiritual high right now. You've just had a great year and your journey is going well and I'm so happy for you. I also know that many of you might be struggling right now. In fact, some of you are probably losing hope right now. Trust that God will finish what he started. He is faithful. I also know that there are those of you here maybe who don't even know this hope we're talking about. Trust that you are not here by accident. Lean in, learn, grow, keep searching. God has a great plan for your life. His plans don't always match up with ours. I wish I had time to tell you my story, but trust that he has a great plan for your life. Guys, hope is here, found in the person of Jesus. Don't miss him this Christmas. Man, my name is Derek Kramer, and my family is so thankful for this church. You know, there's been so many stories of restoration, including my own, that have happened thanks to God through this place. And, you know, it's amazing to see people from all walks of life coming in to worship and to serve and to do life with each other. And we are led by the most humble and talented staff. Amen? Amen. So I'm just so proud to call this place my church home. So proud to call Corey my pastor. But <clears throat> there is one thing that I've been trying to work through. My two youngest daughters, ages five and seven, have a crush on Corey Drake. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I wish I was kidding. But. Uh, <clears throat> No, I thought, you know, surely they've got to be confused. So I sat them down and I said, you mean Corey Trimble, right? The good Corey. <laughs> and they said, no, Daddy, we love Drake. And so this feeling of panic just came over my body. But then my five-year-old said, Daddy, he's so nice to us and he loves God. So I said, okay, okay, you guys get it. I don't have to worry so much about you. So now my whole household loves Corey Drake, even me. So it's a Christmas miracle. But uh, I think it's only appropriate that the candle that I lit was the candle representing love. And so I'll be reading out of Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. If then there is any encouragement in Christ... If any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So the idea is simple. Paul is saying that if we have experienced any of the things that he's mentioned, then we have the responsibility to live those things out towards others. So he says, church, agree with each other. He said, put yourself aside and help others to get ahead. Love one another. You know, Jesus was amazing. He was God, yet he humbled himself to come and take on the status of a slave. He lived a selfless and obedient life, and he died a selfless and obedient death. He did that for you. He did that for me. And man, did Jesus love. He loved, he didn't just love people that loved him. He loved people that were difficult to love. He loved people that hated him. He loved people that the religious of the time rejected. You know, that was a sad reminder to me about parts of our Christian culture today where the mindset is to the broken, you go get yourself cleaned up first and then you can come in. No, Jesus met the broken where they were and he said, follow me and let the truth and my love transform you. That is another reason why I love this church so much. Jesus' love was amazing. When I was in college, my wife and I were able to go on a missions trip to Honduras. And it was considered a relatively dangerous place at the time. So our group was assigned two military soldiers to escort us everywhere that we went. Now, these men were relatively young in age, but they were hardened by life. They had stern faces and no smiles, full camouflage, machine guns. They were intimidating. But despite all this, the group did a really good job of showing them kindness and love. Started off small. We just smiled at them. We offered them food or drink whenever we had food or drink. We thanked them every day for what they were doing. And you know, what was so cool is that even though they were soldiers, they were actually the captive audience because they had to go everywhere that we went. And they were exposed to things that they probably had never been exposed to in their lives before. We went to a prison where we worshiped with men who had given their lives to Christ in jail. And I can still imagine the looks on the soldiers' faces when looks of confusion when they saw the joy on these inmates' faces despite their circumstances. We went to a hospital for children that were dying of AIDS and they watched as the group held and loved on these babies that most people at the time wouldn't really even touch. We went to the outskirts of the city to these shanty towns and built homes for widows who were basically living out of cardboard boxes at the time. And I could see slowly that it was making a slight impact on these men throughout the week. Then one day on the way home, on the bus ride home, we would take a school bus everywhere around the city. 
one of the members of the group had the boldness through the translator to ask these men if they knew who Jesus was and how much he loved them. Now, I had never seen the Spirit move this powerfully in my life up to this point. But these men's countenances completely changed. They were softened. They were asking so many questions, and we got to share the good news of the gospel with them. And that night, those two soldiers asked Jesus Christ to come into their lives. But that wasn't it. They wanted to be baptized immediately. So we called the bus driver back and we said, would you please come back and meet us? And he drove us an hour and a half to the nearest swimming pool. And at 10 o'clock that night, as our group surrounded the pool singing worship, our two new brothers in Christ were baptized. The power of God's love is unmatched and can make ripples in history. This is why our Father tells us to love. Merry Christmas. This is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. This third candle represents joy. When I told my husband that I not only get to talk about joy this weekend, but that I even chose it, he was a little surprised. If you don't know me, my name is Shannon Hallivant. I work with the children here at The Experience in Echo and the Nursery. And I have a degree in math, which I'd like to point out is the opposite of public speaking. So I apologize for that. I'm not a very emotional person, and I'm fairly introverted, so this is not a typical weekend for me. So my husband asked me why I would choose this topic, because apparently it was a little surprising to him. I told him it's because joy is not really an emotion. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is not hinged on our surroundings or circumstances. It's not a reaction like fear or excitement. It does not flee with threat of broken promises or trials. Mary gave birth to a child who was not her husband's on the floor of a dirty barn. She was probably nervous, confused, scared, and cold. Now, I'm not a mother, but I've met a few and from the stories I've heard, childbirth is not a super fun process. It's painful before it really even starts, and up to the very last moment, there must be so much fear and doubt. But then, as soon as it's over, moms are flooded with hormones, and they naturally feel 
affection, attachment, and joy. So certainly Mary was afraid, but I'm also sure that she was joyful because she had just given birth to a beautiful child, and she knew that the most important promises were being fulfilled, the promises of God. For many, this season is a difficult time to be happy. Some people are overwhelmed by the pressure to spend money that they don't have. Some are reminded of their lack of family or community. And some are reminded of loss. My family doesn't attend church, but a couple of us do. And one of those is my cousin Brandy. I want to share with you how she has taught me about joy. Brandy had a baby when she was around 20 that she hadn't planned on. She gave birth to an amazing boy who she named Kobe. She wasn't a Christ follower at the time, so his childhood was a little bit difficult for her. Kobe had special needs, and Brandy was an amazing mom, and she still is, and she took care of his needs joyfully. In October of 2013, Kobe was diagnosed with leukemia. Of course, this is the worst news a mother could possibly hear, but before that day was even over, they had a treatment plan, and she and her amazing husband, John, were ready for whatever would come at them. We spent a lot of days at Vanderbilt, and I don't remember a single one where Brandy didn't smile. There were always tears, but there was also always a smile, a prayer of hope, and a joke about how fat she was because she was also eight months pregnant with another special boy named Lane. Kobe passed away the following year in May. God chose to heal him in a different way than we had hoped or planned, and that hurt. And it hurt Brandy the most. And as some of you know, the pain of losing someone that you love is unmatched. And I can't even pretend that I can imagine the pain of losing a child. But I want to point out that God does know that pain. He knows your pain, whatever it is. And he's ready to take it from you as soon as you're willing to let go of it. God sent his only son to die for us so that we could be reunited with him. This is just a small piece of Brandy's testimony. There's a lot more to her story. But she never lost her joy. Kobe's funeral was a beautiful display of worship. We sang songs of thankfulness and praise to our creator, even though it was a really hard time. Brandy was not happy. She was confused she was probably angry, and she was definitely broken, but she had joy. She knew that God keeps his promises and provides. She might not have loved his plans, but she trusted in them. For her in that season, joy was knowing that Kobe was made perfect in heaven, and we often joke that he's playing video games with Jesus now. Joy is holding on to God's promises even when it's difficult or we feel isolated. Joy is a response to God's promises, not our environment or circumstances. So it may be hard for you to feel happy right now, and it may take some time to find your joy, but it's there. If you trust in the Lord and are filled with the Holy Spirit, joy is there because it's a fruit of the Spirit. Nothing and no one and no circumstance can take that away. Joy comes from the Lord, and if we aren't close to him, how can he give it to us? If we aren't reading his word and communicating with him, what are we doing? The Holy Spirit's fruit is joy. We just need to be willing to let go of whatever else we're holding on to and grab onto him. And what better time than while celebrating his birth 
the beginning of the greatest love story you'll ever hear. Good morning. My name is Alicia Trimble, and I have a confession. I was back there praying that I wouldn't set this on fire. <laughs> I have a big fear of trying to light candles in front of a lot of people. <laughs> I, I'm actually a science major, so Shannon and I have been giving each other support this weekend because neither of us are public speakers. But I have to say that she did a beautiful job, and so have the other speakers. And that's some of the pressure of trying to follow what they have spoken this morning. I'm just really thankful to have listened to them and um, thankful for all of you just to be able to celebrate Christmas Eve morning with you. Um, I look forward to Advent every year. Um, I cry at every service. It's just a really um, great time during December to help you to refocus on the true meaning. Um, and so I can say the, the blessing of being able to speak is I get to go to four services. Um, the candle I'm speaking on is peace, and when I was trying to think about what, when am I at peace, and besides, you know, just being in a church service and worshiping with you all, I thought, well, you know, being on a beach, a deserted beach, just holding my husband's hand, you know, when your eyes are closed and you're just listening to the waves crash, there's nothing more peaceful than that. And some other things that bring me peace are um, when my oldest prays at night, we pray with our children most nights, and now she's kind of taken over, and I just I close my eyes, and that, that brings me peace. I also like to, which sounds creepy, I like to watch my kids while they sleep, <laughs> because I just, just their sweet faces, I don't know, and I always just thank God for them, but I got to thinking, you know, these things that came, ran through my mind, I was like, well, what would happen if the Lord took my husband or my children, or I could no longer see the beach? And so I would need a deeper peace within myself than just thinking of, you know, scenarios or circumstances of my life. And peace is defined as a freedom from disturbance and absence of trouble. All of us want lives without worry, but Jesus said in this world, we will have trouble. So think of all of the stories of God's people who went through pain, suffering, and loss. None of us are exempt from this as long as we are here on this earth. So how do we cope when trouble or tragedy comes and disrupts our lives? When it feels like the rug is pulled out from under us and everything that is important and makes us happy is taken away. We must have a peace that is not dependent on our circumstances. We can quickly become overwhelmed by our trials and question the goodness of God. Figuring out how to take control of our mess can sound easier than letting go and trusting him. We have a picture in our head of how everything should play out. But some of us don't have a close relationship with the Lord, and it's hard to trust someone with your problems when you don't know them well. That's why as Christ followers, it is vitally important that you have a prayer life and that you read the Bible. And if you don't like to read, the Bible's on CD. In times of despair, we can find much peace from reading scripture. God says he will never leave you nor forsake you, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives, 
So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We watched the Nativity Story, the movie, um, two nights ago. And actually, my daughter wanted to watch it again last night, so we watched a quarter of it. And we just love watching that movie this time of year. I just think it's it's just a great, um, once again, it just helps you to kind of think about what this season is truly about. Um, And I just like to think about Mary's story while I'm watching it, and it just teaches us to trust God when our plans for our lives are drastically altered. When she wasn't planning on having to deal with feeling like an outcast in her own town because she was pregnant but not married. She didn't know she would have to give birth in a dirty manger with no family or friends around. Nor could she be prepared for witnessing her son die a terrible death. But when the angel of God approached and declared her future, she trusted the Lord's ways. I think about this scene in the movie when she um, gives birth and gets to hold Jesus for the first time. And I thought, wow, she's holding the Prince of Peace. That same spirit of peace that you and I can have always. That peace you can have when all of your hopes and dreams, all of your plans have crumbled at your feet. So some of you may be asking, how do I get this peace? We must be anxious for nothing, and in every situation, we present our request to God by praying with thanksgiving. Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When the story you've written out for your life changes, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. I close with John 16:33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. For those who have experienced loss or heartache this year, don't let it make you bitter. Take heart. Surround yourselves around godly men and women who will walk with you through your trials. I pray you have the peace of God guide your steps and guard your hearts. Merry Christmas. How was everybody? Good, good. I get to read one of the neatest passages, uh, not just of today, but but one of the neatest passages in the entire Bible. Uh, In Luke chapter 2, we actually have the story of Christmas. So it says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, a time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. 
you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. Now I have gone through periods of time when I have truly grown, grown weary of doing good. Uh, that's not to say that I'm always good or that I'm even always doing good, but I think you get the point. As I meet with people day in and day out, I hear tragic stories of loss and betrayal, abuse, and things that I wish still shocked me, but unfortunately, they don't. I often lament the state of the church. I lament the state of our families and our culture and even the state of Christmas, and it is easy for me this time of year to shrivel down into a very dark hole, not because God isn't good, but because people can be so bad. I would like to think that we could change the world, that we could be good enough, nice enough, holy enough, and benevolent enough to make culture look different, but we cannot. This for us is impossible. But on we go, trying to resolve the problems of humanity with our strength, our intellect, our ideas, and we continue to fail miserably. This is why Luke 2 is so important to me. The story of God sending his only son is the light at the end of my tunnel. Humanity in the time Luke wrote about was much like our time today. People had become selfish, brutal, and society was failing to be what God wanted it to be. But God had a plan. He knew that we could not make it without help. So God sent the ultimate help, Jesus Christ. As you can see, I sometimes struggle with pessimism. I'm unsure of the future of our country, our culture, our nuclear families, and our churches in the United States, but I'm more convinced than ever that we are utterly lost without Christ. If we would allow God into our lives, we could see all of these things change, but that starts with us as individuals. Much like Jesus was inserted into mankind 2,000 years ago, we need his spirit to be inserted into our lives every single day. We need his guidance, his wisdom, his strength, and his love. Those seasons of hopelessness rear their ugly head for me, and I would guess many of you. We must remember that Christ is the key, and if we hold on to that key, the doors of hope and change will open. We can see lives restored, relationships mended, cities changed, and souls saved, but it all hinges on us having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who was born in a dirty manger in a small town. Like my wife said in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This season is merry because the Savior has come and he has already determined the outcome of our battle. To you, my family in Christ, Merry Christmas. I pray that Jesus gives you strength, encouragement, and wisdom in the next year. I hope that you are filled with peace and love and joy and that you can be the light to the people around you. God has given you to me as a source of encouragement and strength and I love you in a way that I could never verbalize or tell you. 
I appreciate you so much. Like we do uh, every single weekend here, we take communion. Um, I think today it's a little bit extra special. Communion is a time for us to remember the death of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, even when we weren't worthy of that. We've never been worthy of that. But today, your Christmas present to me can be this. I would love all of you to get communion today, which represents the body and blood of Jesus, that we could take that, that we could come back to our seats, and we're going to sing as a congregation, Silent Night. I want to tell you I love you. I want to tell you, uh, and many people have said that this time of year is, can be difficult for a lot of people. It is a good time of year, and, and we have much to be thankful for. But sometimes when we look around, it, it becomes increasingly difficult to find that joy that Shannon talked about. But if we can remember that not only that Christ came, that he was born, but he lived and died and rose again, and he did that because he loves us. Lord Jesus, God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. God, I pray, Lord, for all of my brothers and sisters in this room. I pray, God, that you strengthen us, that you fill us up with your Holy Spirit, God. I pray, Lord, that as we take communion today that we can approach that with a repentant, pure heart. I pray, God, that we can remember, Lord, that you not only sent your son, but your son lived and died and rose again for us. I pray, God, that we don't get lost in all the distractions of this season, but we remember, Father, that this is truly about you. We love you, God. Lord, give us the ability, the strength to love others, God, in just a fraction of the way that you've loved us. Let us show grace and let us show kindness, and Lord, let us be vessels of peace and joy for the world around us. We love you, God. And we pray all this in your son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas. You guys are welcome to help yourself to communion.